This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. 9 o'clock, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard on this Thursday night. Of course, we talk a lot about Super Bowl 57, the Eagles' window to keep knocking on the door to these games, and how many future Hall of Famers are going to participate in this event coming up next Sunday. And we'll get back to that. But right now, we got to talk some Sixers here. As a win last night over the Magic, they split the uh, the two games against Orlando, and now the Sixers look forward to next week, the, which I just wasn't prepared for, the trade deadline. So I figured, you know what, trade deadline's coming up. Sixers are playing well for a long period of time. Doc wins a, a Coach of the Month award. Joel with the crazy game against Jokic the other night. Let's get Kyle Newbeck on to talk about all this. You've been hearing Kyle on the Clap Your Hands podcast with Elliot Shore Parks for us reading him over at Philly Voice. He joins us right now to talk some Sixers on the night. The NBA All-Star Reserves are announced. Kyle, how you doing tonight? I'm hanging in there, Joe. How you been? I feel like it's been a while. It has. Uh, doing well and... I mean, Kyle, before we get to all the a lot going on with the Sixers and around the league, I, I have to say it, it's been, and I know they lost the Magic a couple nights ago, but it's been a good run here for the Sixers. I would say from the beginning of December to now, they've played really good basketball for the most part. Oh, it's been awesome. I mean, you know, since James Harden came back into the lineup, I believe it was December 5th, December 6th, something in that time frame, they are 21-6 and six in that time. And, you know, I think, in a year where maybe the Eagles are worse or the Phillies didn't go on a World Series run, there'd be more buzz, more talk about the Sixers. Now, you know, maybe after the Super Bowl, they'll have their time, and that'll probably be the time, inevitably, that the Sixers start playing worse. But um, it's been great. I mean, they're playing an aesthetically pleasing brand of basketball and offense, Joel Embiid and MVP form. And, you know, I thought James Harden was in all-star form, but – uh I guess the coaches around the NBA decided otherwise. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, let's get into the all-star stuff here, Kyle. And, and I have a, th- I have a theory, um, just, just based on the fact that Tyrese Halliburton made it and James Harden didn't, that maybe Howard Eskin was stuffing the ballot box the other way against Harden. <laughs> but yeah, what, what did you make of that? Um, Harden, and then we'll get to the Embiid stuff in a second, but Harden not making it, is that just he got squeezed because he missed time? Because I, I think he's he certainly played better this year than I thought he was going to. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Halliburton, I understand because it's a first-time guy. I think coaches like to reward, you know, the young, up-and-coming guys. I, that part I understand. Harden not making it over Drew Holiday when – the Bucks essentially have an identical record to the Sixers. The Sixers have played one less game than them, have one less win. So that's essentially the same. And Harden's numbers across the board are better. It's just flat out insane to me. I don't, I don't get that one at all. I think, I mean, if you look at the record, obviously, since Harden came back, but also all the underlying indicators, right? They're a top three offense since early December, top 10 defense. A lot of that has to do with Joel Embiid, but – a lot of it, frankly, on offense has to do with James. The, the chemistry that him and Joel have had has been awesome in pick and rolls, in end game offense. They're starting to look like a team that knows how to win, that knows how to, you know, see games out when it gets tight in the fourth quarter. And, you know, this, this team finally starts to look like a real deal contender, potentially. And, you know, a lot of that is about Joel, but James is right there with him. He's the co-star that I think people have been wanting Joel to have for, for years now. And, I think he got unfairly snubbed. You know, we'll see if anybody is an injury scratch from this game, but I certainly thought he was absolutely worthy of an all-star berth again this year. Kyle, where did you come down on the, the outrage scale on the Joel Embiid not being a starter here? My my feeling was the issue is really the, the structure of the all-star game, and we have four of the top, you know, I don't know, six or seven MVP candidates in the league all happen to be frontcourt players in the East, so someone had to be snubbed. I, I, I mean, I don't know who the, the right three would have been. Maybe Giannis is not having his best year, but he has probably the best reputation of all these guys. Where did you come down on, on Joel? It does feel ridiculous he's not starting, but also someone had to not be voted in as a starter. Yeah, so my policy is if you're going to say this guy deserved it, you do have to be willing to say who you take out. Right. I would have put him in over Giannis. I think he's having a better season than Giannis. Uh, I think a lot of people locally would put him in over Tatum. I do think he's a better player than Jason Tatum, but I do understand the side of the voters that say he's the best player on the best team and you know they want to reward a guy like that. That part I understand. I get that, but – I mean, there's no world in which Joel Embiid is not one of the 10 guys who should be starting in the All-Star game this year. And I think, you know, the format is a little ridiculous at this point where we say, all right, it's got to be Eastern Conference front court and back court and Western Conference front court and back court when they've moved to this draft system where all these guys are going to get distributed, however, LeBron and uh, Giannis pick these teams anyway. So it's like, well, why do we need to box it in and say, well, because – there are four guys in the Eastern Conference front court who are four of the best ten players in the league. The only three of them can make it. I just I think that's sort of a, a silly concept. So I, I disagree with that pretty strongly. I think Joel should be, frankly, if he's not the outright MVP front runner right now, he's certainly in the top three. So to have a guy who is not not in the All Star game despite that is uh, it's a little preposterous. But you know maybe it's a little fuel on the fire for Joel 
heading down this final stretch of the season. Yeah, it, you know, I hope it is. Uh, and obviously, he uh, he played very well, and he played very hard that last Saturday against Nikola Jokic. I mean, he gets up for these kind of moments, and that was a high-profile one against the guy that is the favorite. Kyle, I, I don't think you and I have ever spoken about it before. I'm curious, what do you think about Jokic? Because I... I Obviously, I get a lot of reaction from our listeners, and I notice people, and, and it seems like there is a there's a thing where a lot of Sixers fans like will try to tear down Jokic because we want Embiid to be the guy, and Jokic is one of these two MVPs in a row. I'm just we all know how great Embiid is. What do you think about Jokic? Because if he wins this thing this year, Kyle, you know it. I mean, it'd be the first back-to-back-to-back MVP since Larry Bird, which is insane that Michael and and LeBron never did that, and it would be Jokic next. But also, I just. How do we talk about him if he wins three MVPs in a row? I mean, j- just saying that feels like we have to elevate him to like a pantheon status of at least, I don't know, a top 30, 25 player ever. Yeah, and so that's sort of my problem with it, Joe, right? Like, I think he's an absolutely incredible basketball player. I think you could honestly make the case he's the single best offensive player in the league. Like, the guy does everything. He scores 25, 26 points a game on amazing efficiency, great rebounder. And he's, if he's not the best passing big man ever, I don't know who is because he's better than Arvita Sabonis, who I think traditionally was viewed as that guy. He's one of the best passers ever, period, I think, regardless of position. But I, I think in that game with Joel the, the other day where Joel clearly outplayed him, I think you see where the difference is between those two guys are, where – you know, Nikola Jokic is guarded by P.J. Tucker for most of that second half. And instead of saying, you know, I have a six foot five, 37-year-old power forward on me, he's still trying to, quote-unquote, do the right thing, make the right play. And he doesn't really get involved as a scorer. Whereas you put a six foot five guy on Joel Embiid in single coverage for you know, most of a half, he's going to go out there and score 35 points on the other team. Like, that's just not a thing you can do. And so I think – there's a separation between the two in mentality as scorers that I think if I'm looking at who I want to be an alpha dog for my team in a playoff setting or on a team in general, I want someone with more of Joel Embiid's mentality. And then the defensive side of the ball, I don't think those two are even close. Like I think Joel is one of the most impactful defenders in the league, great rim protector, all that. All the metrics tell you that. All the playoff runs where they take him off the floor – and they fall apart immediately to tell you that. So I think there's a big gap there. I have a real issue with if, if this guy wins three straight MVPs, to me, that can only be the case when somebody is so far clear of everybody else in the league. It's somebody who's, who's won titles, who is like a, as you said, Joe, even though they never actually won three straight, it's a Jordan, LeBron-level guy. Like Larry Bird, at least, when he won those three straight, the Celtics were the team in the East, arguably the team in the NBA. It's either them or the Lakers at that point. So to give it to Jokic, who the only time he's made it past the second round was in the bubble, is just, you know, I think it'd be a little farcical, but we'll see what happens when it's all said and done at the end of the season. Yeah, we will. He's the favorite right now, but not as big of one as he was a, a week ago. And I actually think it'd be cool if we somehow got a Sixers and Nuggets final because the, the reaction oh, would be, be great. Awesome. And – Kyle, we haven't had a center uh, battle in the finals. I mean, the, the game's changed, obviously. But I remember when I was young, like, you know, Patrick Ewing against Akeem Olajuwon and then Shaq versus Akeem Olajuwon. That, that was fun. We, it, the game has just not given us that in a long time. So that would be fun. All right, Kyle, next week is the trade deadline. This snuck up on me. I think it's just I'm caught up in Eagles stuff. So yeah. g- give us some thoughts on, on where this might go and, and what Daryl Morey you think might be targeting between now and the deadline. 
Yeah, so I did a piece at Philly Voice, and we talked about it on Clap Your Hands with Elliot this week, that I think there are two big priorities for the Sixers at the deadline. One, I think they're just looking for as many two-way wings slash forwards as they can get their hands on. Uh, I, I think that is always the case at the deadline, but I do think they look at guys like Batiste Thibel, George Niang, who those are guys that have real value on this team, but are also one-way guys that potentially, you know, Niang might get played off of the floor because of his defensive concerns in the playoffs. Seibel might not be playable because of his lack of shooting. And, you know, it's been on an uptrend lately, but not a trustworthy guy that, and teams are going to leave him open when it counts. So they're looking for maybe a more balanced guy or guys plural in those type of spots. And then the other one, which caught me a bit off guard because they do have Joel and two more bigs on the roster already, but it does seem like they're looking for a traditional rim protecting rebounding center. And, now, one of the names that came up is Andre Drummond, who was here last season prior to the Ben Simmons trade that he was a part of, somebody who's going to go out there and maybe be the night-to-night guy or even just a bigger body that they're going to need against certain teams and certain matchups in the playoffs. So those are the two archetypes I would look for. I don't know how likely it is that they're going to get either one of them specifically, but I do think there is almost certainly going to be a trade made one way or the other. One way or another, I think that's uh, Daryl Morey's MO. He does not stand pat at the deadline. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he did. I'm excited to see what they do. Kyle will be reading over Philly Voice and listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast with Elliot. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks, Joe.